is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, church. It's such a huge privilege to be up here today sharing God's word with you all. As we heard from Enton Uncle a few weeks ago, Proverbs is an amazing book full of wisdom for us all. And I encourage all of you who have not yet had the opportunity to read the book of Proverbs in full to do so, as it has so much wisdom in it that can practically change our everyday actions and decisions and challenge our minds and hearts if we allow it to. One of the things I think that struck both me and Andranti the most as we were preparing for today's preach was how amazing it is that a group of writers from over 2,500 years ago who wrote wisdom in this book is still relevant to us in the same way today. And now just before we start, I'd like to take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for both me and Andrew Auntie to share your word with others. I pray that you will speak to us all today and that we will not leave your house the same as we entered it. I pray that you will touch our hearts and that your Holy Spirit will prompt us in the ways that we should change our daily lives. In your name I pray, amen. Today Andrew Auntie and I have been given the opportunity to reflect on what the Bible, including the book of Proverbs, has to say about greed and generosity and how they should guide us in our daily lives. Now I'm sure most of us think we know what greed and generosity may look like, but in preparing this preach for today, we both felt that we gained a deeper understanding. So, what is greed? You may think that greed is a selfish desire and it's all about money, but it actually goes further than this. Sometimes we can find ourselves greedy for fame or power, possessions, attention, compliments and praise from others, gifts, and even greedy for a person's time. Greed is all about our motivation and our heart. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. A quick example of this is, we recently went on a trip to India, back home, and our dad bought four pairs of shoes. Not just one, not just two, four pairs. And none of them fit him, not one. The old English word gradig, which is up on the slide, means hungry for more, whatever that may be. Greed is often self-centered and never satisfied. It's not always synonymous for wealth, as there are greedy poor people and generous rich people. Now let's look at the dangers of greed and how we should avoid it. And to keep us all alert here this morning, I'd love if we could read a few verses together. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, which should be up on the slide, it says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 19, says, Such are the paths of all who go after. 
ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. And in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 12, it says that in you are people who accept bribes to shed blood. You take interest and make a profit from the poor. You extort unjust gain from your neighbors and you have forgotten me, declares the sovereign Lord. God warns us that greed can be destructive. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28, he says that those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Sadly, Christians and even Christian leaders and ministries across the world are prone to the temptations of greed. And unfortunately, many Christian ministries have fallen through allegations of corruption and pursuit of financial wealth or greed in other areas, even such as lustful pursuits. So it is a warning to us all that we are not exempt from such temptations. Some ministries even preach of a prosperity culture where an accumulation of wealth is seen as an outcome of faith. But Peter warns the church that we must not fall prey to a greedy mindset in their ministry when he says in 1 Peter 5.2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Now I have a personal story that I'd like to share of how greed can ruin households. One day, me and my sister, when we were about six years old, at school we had this task of taking a biscuit and coating it in chocolate and sprinkling coconut shavings all over. Now, as soon as we did this, I ate mine straight away. But Ashita, she very carefully savoured her biscuit because she wanted to enjoy it. She kept it in her drawer all day long and she carefully carried it all the way home. And then when we got home, she placed it on the dining table and got up, went upstairs to get changed so she could be comfortable eating her biscuit. I remember seeing how much she had savoured her biscuit and how much she wanted to enjoy eating her biscuit. And I honestly have no idea what came over my six-year-old mind, but by the time she came back downstairs again, her biscuit was gone. <laughs> and it wasn't even just a bite. I had eaten her whole biscuit. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27 says that the greedy will bring ruin to their households but the one who hates bribes will live. The consequence here of my actions, though it was only for a couple of days, was that my greed of already eating my own biscuit and still choosing to eat our sheeters brought ruin to our household through a crying, wailing sister. <laughs> greed is not always obvious. It can be the little things that tangle up in our hearts like vines. It can destroy lives without us even knowing it has an influence on us. It can masquerade as a healthy desire to provide for one's family or as, as us being hardworking to further our career. It's easy to become satisfied, dissatisfied with what we have and have a longing for what we don't have. Greed 
is the opposite of contentment, which is important. I'll say it again. Greed is the opposite of contentment. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Greed can be the opposite of trusting in God's provision. And again, I'll say it. Greed can be the opposite of trusting in God's provision. We should be free to be generous as God provides for us and he promises that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And I have a question for us now to ponder in our hearts for just a second. The question is, is there anywhere in your life where you feel like you're not trusting in God's provision at this time? I have another verse that we can read together, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25, and it says, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. I have another more well-known story of how greed can ruin households that I'd like to share. And I'm sure most of you know this story, but for those who are not so familiar, the story is about a king called Mufasa and his brother Scar. And Scar is so greedy for the power and the throne that his brother has that the greed in his heart leads him to going to the extent of killing his own brother just so that he could have the fame and power that his brother has. Scar's greed brought ruin to the household as Simba, which was the little son, didn't have a father growing up. And there was corruption in the land that he reigned over for years. The Bible or God is not against making money and the hard, honest work that is associated with it. But he does remind us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, which again, I'd love if we could read together. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 also commands us to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And the book of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So now that we know the dangers of falling into greed and what it is, how should we try to overcome the temptation of falling into it? Generosity is the cure to greed. G-C-G. Generosity, cure to greed. Generosity is the cure and the antidote to greed. Fostering a giving and generous heart will drive greed out of our hearts by the power and the love of God. So, shun greed and embrace generosity. That is so important, and I'll repeat it. Shun greed and embrace generosity. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 reminds us it is more blessed to give than to receive. And God reminds us in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, which again we can read together. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who also sows generously. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25 reads, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now I'm going to call upon Andrianti, who will talk to us more about the topic of generosity. Thank you, Ashmita. So, uh, apart from generosity being the cure to grieve, why should we be generous and do good? Proverbs 11, verse 17 says, Our souls are nourished when we are kind. I'm sure we can all think of examples where we've been kind or generous to others and we've seen the joy in their face and how their happiness makes us feel warm and happy inside. But of course, that's not the only reason for doing good, but it is an undeniable benefit. So if I repeat that again, our souls are nourished when we are kind. So it does others good, but it also does ourselves good as well. When we do good or are generous, we often feel good, as we are aware we've had the privilege of channeling God's love. As we are made in the image of God, who is generous beyond our imagination, we therefore have an enormous capacity to do good and be generous. Do we believe that? So if we could perhaps read together, I've put a, just a saying there, we were created to do good and be generous. Can we all say that, including the children, if they're listening at the back? We were created to do good and be generous. Jesus gave us the greatest example of generosity in the sacrifice he made of giving up his life so we could be set free. He died for us that whilst we were still sinners, so in the same way, we should be willing to be generous to others even if we don't feel they deserve it? Generosity is also not just about what we do with our money or possessions. It can come from acts of service, words of affirmation, from giving our time, our love and energy. Some with no financial cost at all. Cooking a meal for someone, helping with childcare, helping clean someone's house when they feel overwhelmed, visiting someone in hospital, praying with or for somebody, opening our home to people, including strangers. So I have an example of generosity that I'd like to share with you that really made a huge impact on me. And that was when I, was, I went to buy a McDonald's. So I'd gone to the drive-through and I'd ordered my meal. And as you do, you then go to the next counter to try and pay for it. And the guy who was serving there said to me, oh, you don't need to pay for your meal, it's already been paid for. And I said to him, no, that can't be right. Uh, you might got me confused with somebody else. And he said, no, no, it's, it's already been paid for um, by the car in front. So there I am frantically looking to see if it's a vehicle I recognize. Is it a family member? Is it a friend? And I didn't recognize it at all. So I quickly got out of the car because I wanted to see who it was before they drove off with their meal. Um, and I went up to this gentleman and I, I said to him, oh, I understand you've paid for my meal. Can I ask you why, what made you do that? 
And all he said to me was just to make your day a bit happier. And it's hard to explain it, but to be honest, it so impacted me. I even found myself crying. I'd had a, had a tough day. Um, this was a guy who didn't know me. I didn't know who he was. And to be honest, when I looked at his van, bless him, which was falling apart, I felt like he could probably do with the money more to help <laughs> repair his car. But he still chose to, to, to do a generous act to me, somebody who's a total stranger. And that really impacted me. Some of you might be aware or remember another initiative that happened a few years ago from another local church where they gave out tsunami tokens of love to their church members, encouraging them to do generous acts of kindness and then to hand the token on as a way of, you know, just being generous to total strangers. And I remember years ago, Woodside members used to go out and pick up litter in Putnam as a generous act to their community. So the point I'm trying to make is being generous doesn't always require money. And I could quote numerous examples of generosity that I know members of this congregation have carried out and still continue to carry out to this day. From organizing a meal rotor and cooking meal for people when they're unwell or they've been bereaved or had a baby, from cooking breakfast for all the men, and I think you know who you are, as do others. From providing samosas and wonderful homemade cake to us all on a Sunday. From arriving early to set up and packing down after the service, being the last to leave this site. From going to New Day, some of you went to help set up, cook and serve, and giving up a week of your time from annual leave, which is precious, to donating to the food bank. And there are so many more examples I can think of, helping kids work, looking after the children. And I know many of these examples we will never even know about, as many acts of generosity will only ever be known about by you and God which is often the way it should be. Because sadly, in today's culture, we have many celebrities who do amazing acts of generosity, but they do it to generate fame, which is not how it should be. I'm always reminded of the verse in Matthew 6, verse 6, where God reminds us that your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, the next question is, should there be limits to our generosity? Now, if you asked me that question before I started to prepare this preach, I would have said no. But you will get a different answer from me now. Proverbs 3, verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Could we read that again together? Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it is in your power to act. So are we called to offer generosity indiscriminately to anyone at any time, to everyone at all times? What does the Bible say? One thing from generosity is we don't want to create a culture of dependence on others, which might encourage some to become idle. This can include unhealthy dependence that can be created between parents and children. 
If as parents we provide too freely for our children's material needs and wants whereby satisfying their every desire, this might discourage our children from working. And sometimes children who have never been forced to learn lessons taught from hard work can drift into self-indulgent lifestyles and squander their gifts and opportunities, not recognizing the blessings they have. Some of you might be aware that's why the likes of Simon Cowell, who's famous for the X Factor and Britain's Got Talents, or Richard Branson, who has the Virgin Media, um, uh, is, is in charge of Virgin Media, that's why they've decided that they won't leave all of their wealth and all of their estate to their children, because they actually want their children to, to understand what it means to earn for themselves. We also need to guard ourselves from being generous to get back. So in Luke 14, 12 to 14, it says, Jesus said, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back. And so you might be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus' concern in this passage is primarily about generous and good works being done primarily in the hope of getting something back in return. Befriending. Project 41 and Connections, and I'm sure many other examples you know of, gives us opportunity to extend friendship and connection with those we don't know and who may never be in a position to return the same. In being generous, we need to balance as well compassion with discernment. It is not wrong sometimes to ask the hard questions of any individual, charity or group to whom we are considering being generous with, with our time and money. God wants us to be wise with our limited resources of time and money. Questions like, does the organization do what it claims to do? Are the goals we want to see achieved being achieved? In addition, and probably most importantly, we need to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance and confirmation. Is God calling us to support this organization or this person? And if the answer is yes, we should not hold back. Proverbs 3 verse 27, which we read earlier, says, Do not withhold good when it is in your power to act. If the Spirit is... Um, endorses it and, it, and it, and it's in your power to be generous, then do it. This morning, actually, in the prayer meeting, when we were praying before we came, Tom brought a word for us about waiting on God, but when God speaks, to act. So I hope in the same way, when God speaks to us to be generous, we will act. I know for myself, sometimes I feel... Lord, I wish I had more time or energy to do more good or show generosity. And I know, probably like many of us, I'm prone to doing good and being generous to those I love and respect, not necessarily to get back, but out of gratitude and love and relationship. So for me, my challenge is to be generous 
and show goodness to those I don't know or have any relationship with. Like the, the gentleman who bought me my McDonald's lunch. I want to ask us to just ponder on a question. What is the challenge that you face being generous and doing good to others? And that question can apply to you as children as much as it can to us as adults. So what is the challenge that you face? Oh, I think we've gone a bit ahead of the slides. Sorry. We can go back. Yeah. What is, what is the challenge that you face in being generous and doing good to others? Can you imagine what it would be like or look like in this world if the around 2 billion people who call themselves Christians around the world were being generous and doing good with the power they have to act? Can you even imagine what it would be like in Bedford if those of us who call ourselves Christians were doing good with the power we have to act? It's also important that we don't feel overwhelmed by need as God is only calling us to be good and generous with what is in our power to do. Trusting God to bring others along where we can't meet that need and also to use us as a family of God collectively to be generous. And God can also supernaturally provide for people in need. Being generous as a community allows us to achieve more than we could ever achieve alone and ensures as individuals we don't become burnt out or exhausted. It's also okay to receive generosity and goodness from others because some of us are very good at giving out. We're not so good at receiving back. Whether it be a meal, gift from friends, and to give ourselves time to receive and hear from God, whether it be through time with nature, music, or art, so that we can remind ourselves we are loved and accepted by God. We need to receive generously from God's grace to be able to give out generously to others. Now, um, I've got a picture of a teapot there, and you might be thinking, what's a teapot got to do with this? Well, actually, that's my community group, which is GFG's logo. And I remember years ago when that logo was chosen, it was to remind us that in order to give out, we need to be filled up. So for the teapot to give out, it has to be filled up. Okay, now I've got a question for the children, actually. So perhaps if the adults can hold back and see whether anybody under the age of 18, maybe, could answer this question. What do you think is the ultimate act of generosity? Do we have anybody who's got any idea? What do we think is the ultimate act of generosity? If not, I'm going to pick on the youth next. <laughs> any youth who would be able to answer what is the ultimate act of generosity? Yeah. Excellent. Jesus gave his life for those of us who couldn't hear. So whilst we are commanded by God to respond to the tangible and physical needs of others, the greatest gift of generosity is to introduce people to Jesus. What greater gift or what greater need does any man or woman have than reconciliation with God? Do we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in being able to share the greatest generous gift of all, 
and that is to introduce a person to Jesus. So another question for us to ponder on. When was the last time you, we, shared the greatest generous gift of all? I have to be honest, when I asked myself that question, sadly, I actually couldn't remember the last time I could openly say I'd shared the greatest generous gift of all with somebody, pray for people, invite them to church, um, have lots of ways of showing my faith, but I couldn't honestly remember the last time I had that privilege of being able to share the greatest generous gift of all with somebody. Finally, um, but most importantly now, hopefully you have been convinced of the biblical instruction to us to shun greed and embrace generosity. Can we all say that together? Shun greed and embrace generosity. I would like us to consider how we can personally apply that in our lives. And to help us, I have a few questions for us to consider. Could put the next slide, please. So the first one is, and I would like the children also, if possible, to think about these questions as well, because it applies to all the children as much as it does to us as adults. In what way is God calling me or challenging me personally to step out more in doing good or being generous? For the kids among us, it might include whether at school, whether at home with your parents, with your friends. So in what way is God calling me or challenging me personally to step out more in doing good or being generous? The second question is, is there anything in my daily life I could go without in order to free up more money to be generous with? Or am I willing to forego or limit time spent on a favorite hobby or TV program to free myself for service in my community, church, or ministry. But please bear in mind, God is not wanting us to bear out, and there's no condemnation in Christ. But I think it's a good question to ask ourselves from time to time. And the final question is, what do we feel we could, as a community and church, do to show generosity and to do good to our local community. Now, as we take a few minutes to ponder that, we're going to play a worship song. But I do hope that as you hear from God, you won't just leave here today having kept some of these answers to yourself, particularly the one about what can we do as a community here in Great Denham and a church to show generosity and do good to our local community and the communities where you live and whatever you feel God's speaking to you, please do feel free at the end to come and share it with any of the elders, your community group leaders, or even myself. Because what we don't want to do today is leave here today with nothing having, having changed. I also feel as we listen to the song we're going to listen to, to reflect on this, um, I do feel obviously through the worship and earlier on, a lot of messages came out about what chains do we feel need to be broken? So I just thought it's a good opportunity as well for us all as we quietly sit to ask God if there are chains that we feel need to be broken in our lives to do that. 
And maybe at the end, again, if anybody would like prayer for that, for chains to be broken or wounds to be healed, then please do come, come forward at the end and there'll be a few of us who are happy to pray for you. Actually, in the prayer meeting this morning, Tom had a picture of a person with deep wounds. And those wounds were yellow in color, which means in effect they're infected. But a sense of there may be people here today who may be feeling they've got deep wounds that need healing. So I would encourage you as you listen to this song to just let God minister to you and also feel free to come and ask for prayer afterwards. Okay, so if we could just play the song and take some time to hear from God. Amen. I'd just like to close in prayer, if that's okay. And as I said, if anybody would like prayer um, for anything, then please do come up afterwards. Dear Lord, we thank you for your generosity and love for us. I pray that you will help each one of us to reflect that generosity to those around us and to our community, that we will hear from you individually and as a church on how you want us to reflect that generosity to the world around and help each one of us to make practical changes in our daily lives in accordance with your will. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.